How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits. Every week, our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now, here's your host, Brad Costanzo. Hey there, this is Brad Costanzo, and welcome back to the show. And I got to tell you, I woke up this morning really excited to jump on the phone with my guest today. And I could give you a long-winded introduction about how happy I am that you choose to spend your time listening to my show. But instead, I kind of want to get into the introduction here, if it's uh, all right with you. So today, I'm interviewing Stephen Key. I'm going to bring him on in just a second. Now, maybe you've heard of Stephen, maybe you haven't. And if not, After this episode, I guarantee you'll never forget him. Look, if you've been listening to my show for any length of time or you know anything about me, then you'll hear me talk a lot about the power of licensing when it comes to business. Uh, Don't let that term licensing scare you. It's not complex, especially when you keep it simple. And as you're about to find out, simple ideas are what today's episode is all about. In fact, if you're anything like me and the idea of a simple business with very few moving parts, fewer employees, and the ability to work from anywhere in the world and earn truly passive income, I mean, this is really one of the true ways to earn passive income without starting off with a fortune, then today's show is really going to open your eyes. Stephen Key is a successful and award-winning inventor, entrepreneur, and educator. He's licensed over 20 products in the past 30 years, and he holds about 13 patents, maybe more. Stephen's products have sold in Walmart, 7-Eleven, Disney stores, and theme parks worldwide, and have been endorsed by Michael Jordan and Alex Trebek from Jeopardy. He's the author of a book with, with a title that I absolutely love. I wish I could have written this title as well myself. One Simple Idea. Turn Your Dreams into a Licensing Goldmine while letting others do the work. For my copywriter friends out there, you'll realize how genius that really is. But he inspires readers in this book to license or rent their ideas to companies, from Fortune 500 companies and smaller, using a simple 10-step system. Now, Stephen has been on national television shows many times, magazines, newspapers, and even interviewed by authors such as Tim Ferriss of The 4-Hour Workweek and Donnie Deutsch of The Big Idea. Andy was a consultant on the first season of the hit ABC show, American Inventor, created by Simon Cowell. Maybe you caught an episode or two. And he's also the co-founder of InventRight, which we'll talk about a little bit later, a company dedicated to educating inventors, entrepreneurs, or anyone with an idea on the necessary steps to build wealth through licensing. But before we jump into this, I want to let you know up front, this this show is not going to be about inventing. It's not even for inventors. It's specifically for people like myself, marketers, entrepreneurs, opportunors. We'll talk about that in a minute. But anybody who loves the concept of capitalizing by connecting the dots. That's kind of a cool statement, capitalizing by connecting the dots. It's one of the things that's led to a lot of my success, and if you're anything like me, you're going to love this. I'm going to take Stephen down a path that I guarantee most other interviewers have not taken him down. They usually talk about the necessary steps to take your own idea or invention to market, but I'm going to take him down the path of how do I capitalize and use licensing if the product or idea isn't mine, but I wish to go out and connect the dots to create capital. So, to heck with this introduction. You guys want to meet Steven? Let's go. 
Stephen, are you with me? Yes, I am, Brad. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm, yeah, as I said, I'm really excited to, to have you on here. And a, a lot of the folks listening to this, hopefully they've, they've heard of you. Uh, I know a lot of people have read your book. I know Tim Ferriss wrote he, he's right up on the cover of your book. A lot of my listeners, including myself, are big fans of Tim. I actually got into the whole world of online marketing because I read, uh, I read The 4-Hour Workweek. And he, he, talks, he talks some really good stuff about you and how you had a, a, a good impact on his business as well. But um, the whole licensing, um, the whole licensing and inventing, uh, uh, what I want to say, the, uh, this whole area is just so fascinating for me. And I think for my listeners too, because it cuts away all of the necessity to be an expert in every part of business. Does it not? Absolutely. It does. Basically licensing Brad, is where you come up with an idea and you're going to rent it to a company and let them do all the heavy lifting. Let them spend their money, their time, their resources while you sit back and collect the royalties. It's a perfect partner. It's speed to market today when you have ideas. I love the fact that you said rent it because I actually have that on my notes that if you didn't say I was going to pull it up because it's the best way to describe it. Because people think that I have product. I ha- the only way that I can get paid from product or idea or information is to sell it to the end user but that's not really true you can you can literally rent somebody else the right to use their product that they can make money and then they pay you for the privilege of doing so yes for full disclosure one of my early students you had mentioned was tim ferris uh-huh and probably the most persistent pest i've ever met <laughs> that's great and uh he coined the the phrase licensing is like renting an idea. And I loved that he did that because he just kind of simplified it. And it should be simplified because it's not complicated whatsoever. No, it's, it's really not. And I think a lot of people make it sound more complicated, especially if you start to think, oh, licensing, legal agreements, lawyers, etc. But you know, today we're not going to really get into that. Uh, but I also want to preface this with, you know, in a previous episode of Bacon Rat Business, I interviewed Mitch Axelrod, who is, his, he's kind of honed his expertise on licensing uh, information, intellectual property, content to businesses. So this doesn't have to be a, a physical product. This can be an mm-hmm. information product. It can be an idea, a process. It can be absolutely anything. The world is really your oyster when it comes to this stuff. Um, and once more, I would no, love to go into... Go ahead. I was just going to say thank you for, for mentioning that because you're absolutely right. You can license a business method, a service. You could license a, a product. Or, or even material. So just about anything that has value, you can license to another company. You're right. And you know, in my, in my practice, um, I've, I've got my own consultancy. And I, I take this a little bit different, a different approach than, uh, than traditional marketing consultants do. As I, don't, I don't work as a you know, fee for service, pay me this, that, or the other. I usually use very proven marketing campaigns that either myself that I've used and I've come up with and I know they've worked because I've tested them out either on my own business or in other business or in other market segments. And in essence, what I'm doing is I'm licensing the right to use these marketing campaigns in my client's business. So I am being paid uh, a guaranteed amount plus I actually put a performance bonus in there. But at any point, if they decide to stop working with me, those the rights to these campaigns come with me. So it's a it's an incredible way to just kind of switch the, you know, switch the, the the phrasing and the the approach to a service based business into creating a real nice income stream that 
hey, even if you use this proven campaign over and over for years and years, you still have to pay me for the right to use it. Beautiful. Beautiful business model. Thank you. So today I want to dive, go deep into a concept that you brought up on, um, on another show, the Art of Charm podcast, which is a friend of mine, Jordan Harbinger. He was a guest on Bacon Rat Business. He interviewed you. It was an amazing interview. And I really do recommend anybody go listen to that, and especially in order to get all the fundamentals that, uh, of licensing, especially as it deals with uh, products. At the very end of that interview, uh, and I was re-listening to it today, you talked about what you believe is really the future or a, an amazing opportunity, which is being the connector, representing different people who either have different ideas or who need different ideas, whether it's artists and people who have design or uh, you know, really anybody else. But if you don't have the idea, you can still make a fortune connecting the dots between who, uh, who, needs, who needs this and who has this. Brad, I think it's better if you don't have the idea of the tape that you should do. Really? That's great. Why, why is that? And that sounds really crazy. Uh, I've learned that you don't, it doesn't have to be your idea. It could be anybody's idea. In fact, I had mentioned to you earlier that my most successful product that I have licensed and collected royalties for over 10 years was an idea that someone else invented 50 years ago. The, really? the problem was they didn't um, have the expertise or knowledge at the time to figure out how to manufacture it. Really? So I, I went down that road and figured out how to manufacture it, filed some intellectual property, and that's been a great income stream for me for, for many, many years and still is today. So I don't think you have to. In fact, I believe um, in this uh, the multiplying effect. My father taught me very early on, if you really want to create great wealth, you have to find a way that doesn't require your presence or your hands. Uh, and he was absolutely right. And I'm glad you picked up on that, the interview I did um, earlier, because if I was going to start over, I would do it very differently. Oh, this is perfect. I was, <laughs> that is a question on my paper here. How would you do it if you were starting over? So this is I would do it so differently because a couple things have changed. The first thing that's changed, it's called um, open innovation. Okay. Uh, companies around the world have finally realized that maybe they don't have the smartest people working for them. Mm-hmm. So they've opened their doors to look at outside ideas from anybody. That means most of those doors swing are swinging wide open for anybody that has an idea. They want to see it. That has created a remarkable opportunity. So now you can get into just about any company. Uh, number two if if they're looking for ideas, how do you feed that monster? Now, you can try to come up with ideas yourself, but I'm not a very creative guy. Mm-hmm. But I know there's a lot of very brilliant creative people out there. I've, I've met them at some of the top design schools in the country. They pay a lot of money to be creative. And they have ideas that are just absolutely brilliant. But they, they don't do anything with them. So when you say the design schools, are we talking art design and uh, what, what kind of design? Just for a little bit of clarification there. No, wonderful. And I, it was a surprise to me how many different um, areas there are in design. I didn't – so many disciplines of design. But there's a school down in Pasadena that I went to. It's called the Art Center. 
And I showed up one day and I was invited to, to go down there to, to give a, a talk about licensing. And I walked in their gallery and it had all the students had their projects there for everybody to see for the, for the semester. Mm-hmm. It was remarkable. They had people were designing new shoes, new motorcycles, characters, everything you can think about people were had designs for. And they were such, it, it, it just blew my mind, the talent. And I asked the professor later that day, I said, what, what, what are all these students doing with these ideas? And he said, well, Steve, they, they throw them away. Wow. And I was like, well, are you teaching licensing? And he was like, well, no, that's why you're here. <laughs> I thought, well, this is crazy. I said, well, what are, the, what are the options that they have now? I said, well, two, either get a job working for somebody else or start their own business. Right. And one thing we probably all know about a lot of really cr- you know, creative, artistic folk is that that's very right brain and starting a business is very left brain. And a lot of the most artistic people in the world are not the best suited you know, entrepreneurs, business people, managers. So they pro- and they realize that about themselves. And I'm generalizing here. But, um, and that probably shuts them down from ever thinking that there is a market for their creative work. You're absolutely right. Most creative people want to stay creative. Mm-hmm. So, so what I I kept on it kept on dawning to me. I said, why if, if I was going to start over, I would build a network of these highly skilled professional product developers, and I would build a network with those guys. I would contact all those companies that are looking for ideas build relationships with those guys and said, look, I'm going to keep feeding you ideas from the top talent of the country. Now, all I ask for you is tell me what direction we should create in. What are you looking for? Build that relationship. And then I'd bring the two together. So that multiplying effect of having all those companies, now the top talent, all I do is put the two together and take a piece of that income. That's great. So, and it's it's really it's not rocket science. It's you're meeting, you know, supply with demand. And I, I mentioned this in the intro. <clears throat> I've got a principle I always, I always espouse both on the show with my clients in my life, and it's how I solve a lot of business challenges is with these, I guess, three and a half questions, which is <clears throat> who else, both who else needs what I have, and who else has what I need. So if that's Website, who else has the website traffic that can be sent to my product, or who else has a product that I can send my website traffic to as a, as a real basic example? Um, who else has a distribution channel? Who else has a product? Who else has uh, anything? Who else has what I need, and who else needs what I have? <clears throat> the what if question is the next one. What if, and this is the brainstorming, what if we do this? What if we do that? What if I let them sell my product? What if I let them give my product or information away for a small fee? What if I do this? And then is there any, the last question is why not? Is there any reason that this would not work as a win for the customer, a win for my partner, and a win for me? And that's really what we're doing here is you are saying, okay, who else, you know, needs what these designers have? Well, there's a lot of businesses out there. And who else has what they need? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, these, these designers and artists and everybody else. So would you, okay, let's say somebody is like, oh, dude, I am sold. This is, I'm scrapping everything. This is the direction I'm going. Um, would you start to approach the, the companies first or would you start to build those relationships with the designers first? Now, granted, you can, nothing stops you from doing uh, both simultaneously, 
But if you were to approach it, kind of how, what steps would you take first? You could do either one, right? It doesn't matter. Okay. Th- those companies are going to want to work with you. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason why. It's you're providing a service that's absolutely free. That's true. So they're not going to say no. No, you're a scout. It's, you know, you're, you in, a, in essence, you're a talent scout for them, but you're an IP scout. Yes, you are. So they're not going to say no. I, I think the trick is uh, I would build those relationships and be able to leverage those relationships with my designers, saying, I have these companies are looking for ideas. Now, those designers are going to get, they're going to get pretty excited about it mm-hmm. because now they have a door in. They don't have to deal with them. They don't have to worry about contracts. You can handle all that. All they need to work worry about is, hey, this is pretty exciting. Do I have the next idea for P&G or, or who, General Electric? Who knows who, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to be extremely motivated. If you go to the designers and, and set that up first, and then you go back to these companies and say, look, I've got the top talent in the country. They're going to be excited about that, too. Right. It's absolutely free. So it's going to be hand in hand. And if I, if I was going to start, I'd build a website uh-huh. and I would put those nice big logos of all those companies looking for ideas that I establish relationships with. That's great. And you would be flooded with people that are creative that want you to represent them. So this is something I'm surprised more people haven't caught on about this. Uh-huh. So it's this perfect situation that's happening at the moment. And it's, I would, if I was going to start over, I would build a team of designers, a team of uh, a list of companies that I'm working with, and just ask them, what are you, what are you guys looking for? And then I would send that, that information out to my designers. So, all right, you guys, here's your assignment. Let's go. Yeah, you know what's, you know what's great about that? There's two points I want to bring up that's great about that. Number one, you... I guess not the the first thing that people think of is okay. I don't have to have the idea, but I have to recognize. I just have to be able to recognize a great idea or or, or recognize the opportunity. But what you just said even even removes the necessity to be able to recognize a great opportunity because if you've got open dialogue with both sides, the like the companies they they tell you specifically what they're looking for. It's almost like they're giving you a shopping list. Like, um, this is what we want. This is what we'll pay for. <laughs> this is what fits into our company culture. And they would give that assignment to even their in-house product developers, right? So yeah. they're telling you what their, their marketing departments are saying. Look, this is, this is an area we want to, we want to develop products in. And you're just, you're just managing the system a little bit for them. You're making it easy. I wouldn't screen it at all. In oh. fact, the only opinion that really matters uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, look, how, how do I know if I have a good idea? Well, well you don't. Um, the, only, the only people that really do know and they don't even know is the company you're going to license it to. So I wouldn't screen it at all. I'd give them an assignment, let them start submitting it. What I like about this, though, Brad, you don't really have to do any of the work. You have to understand prototypes. You have to understand sell sheets. You have to understand the process. And you put that responsibility onto your designers. Mm, I like that. See, this is what I need from you to make a presentation. That's and, beautiful. Yeah, and that's really simple. It's a one-page sell sheet. Show me the benefits, maybe a little video, maybe a prototype, maybe file a provisional patent application, which you can do for $65. You give them all the tools of what you need to make a presentation. So you put all the work on them, and then you, you start feeding these companies with those ideas. Ah, 
That's that's even better because I, I would bet that uh, a listener right now is is thinking, oh man, but I've got to be an expert in sales sheets and this, that, and the other. No, you have to know. You don't have to build them. You just have to know what these companies want, and then, like you just said, tell them this is what I need from you. Once you give this to me, I will open the door, walk through it with you, and see if we can make this happen. And when it comes to the legal side, there's a million IP attorneys out there, and there's a million uh, resources. You don't have to be an expert in any of those areas as long as you know how to find the experts that can help you. It's so simple when you think about it. You're going to submit an idea. If they take it, they're going to pay a royalty for that idea every time they sell one in the marketplace. It's really that simple. Okay. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say, I, I kind of know the answer to this, but I'm teeing it up. So for, for folks who aren't really familiar with the licensing concept, the average licensing royalty totally depends upon, um, I mean, it depends upon what you're licensing, the market for it. Every deal is negotiable, so there's no set fee. But typically, um, what do you see, like between 4 or 5% on the low end? And uh, I mean, on the low end, you could even get, you know, 1% or something if the volume's high enough. But, you know, maybe, would you say like 4 to 15% is probably the general range for mainstream licensing deals? Yeah, for uh, basically, yes. For product licensing, you're probably talking, you're right about the volumes. It's always volumes, right? So mm-hmm. it's probably between 3 and 5 um, very rarely does it go over seven, mm-hmm. uh, and that's and that's of gross sales, or that's absolutely right. Yep. And well, it's really the wholesale price. They're going the wholesale to, price. That's right. Yeah, it's a wholesale price, and of course, there's some things that they deduct from it. But it's pretty standard. You could also have a standard licensing agreement drafted up mm-hmm. that so you don't you don't have to renegotiate every single time at different terms. It's just it's it's really quite simple. Once you do it once. You can do it a million times. Licensing, once you learn that skill too, uh, you could help other companies, universe, research universities, you could help them. There's so many companies that have IP, intellectual property, that they're not going to use. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, didn't, didn't Google really that came out of University of Illinois, if I'm not mistaken, and I believe they may have either owned the IP originally and uh, – I don't remember the exact story about this, but I know that it was developed on campus. There's so many research universities, and I've, I've reached out to a few of them just to ask their process. So how do they license their their uh, ideas? And it's very haphazard. I, I was surprised. Maybe not all of them, but the ones I called, they just, in my opinion, didn't know how to pitch it. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Two things. They didn't. They didn't realize how to reach out to a potential licensee and then the art of the pitch. So, right. so someone with these type of skills, once you, once you get involved, you could reach out to universities, other companies that have IP, and just be the connector. And that's what I like about it. And your, your income stream is there, there's no limit to it. No, you're right. I mean, because the world at that point really is your oyster. When it comes to the connectors uh, share of this, w- so let's ju- let's do an example. Let's say you you find me and I've got I'm a designer and I've got a uh, design for a new widget, and you have a, a a great relationship with another company who wants that widget and they're willing to spend five. I mean they're willing to pay five percent royalty on the wholesale price to the inventor. But as the 
in essence, the licensing agent, which is what you are at yes. this point. What, uh, what is a typical, and once more, beautiful part about licensing is it's all negotiable, but mm-hmm. what, what do you typically see as the, uh, as the cut for the licensing agent of that fee? I would start 50-50. Okay. And the reason why, um, it sounds a little high, but it really isn't. You say, look, I, I, I would approach it this way. I am going to have an exclusive on your idea. I'm going to represent your idea uh-huh. with my team of with companies, my relationships, and give me six to seven months to cut a deal. And if I cannot cut a deal, it's all yours. No harm, no foul. Right. You take no ownership of it. You give himself a certain length of time. And if you can do it, fantastic. If not, here you go. It's yours again. You, you go ahead and you try it. Will, and most people that are creative... Um, once they see that the system works, all they do is be creative, feed you ideas, and you feed them to the companies. And so it's a multiplying effect for everybody. No, you're right. And you know, the nice part about licensing, you know this well, uh, some of the listeners may not, but um, the way a lot of these deals work is that it's not just, oh, you get paid when we get paid. Oftentimes there is a, a, a guarantee, um, and, and then a percentage of that guarantee is paid up front. For you know, and it all depends upon you know what you're doing and who you're who you're working with, et cetera. But I mean, you could get a you could get a, a large chunk of cash up front just for the rights to use this as the. I, I do it a little bit differently, okay, because that's usually top loading a deal, okay. And some companies push back on that. I understand the smart companies do anyway. Mm-hmm. So I always tell them, look, um, you're absolutely right to. From your perspective, if you're going to give someone an exclusive with an idea, there's there's minimum guarantees. Uh-huh. It's a performance clause. If I'm going to give you an exclusive rights, you have to guarantee me X amount of sales uh, a year, basically. So you've got a guarantee. And if they don't perform or for some reason it doesn't sell well or maybe change of management, you get it back. So that that's how it protects everybody. Minimum guarantees is one of the greatest tools for independent Product developers, it's wonderful. The second part, uh, I never ask for money up front. Okay. Um, what I do, though, I do ask, I say, look, in, instead of a licensing fee, why don't you help pay for the intellectual property, the patents? Uh, that's great. Yeah. Because those, those can be very yeah. expensive. They sure can. And especially if you've got a good idea, there's going to be multiple probably patents or maybe international patents being filed, it, they could, it could add up to a lot of money. And if, and this has happened to me before, I've licensed it to a company, sold for you know, four or five years, change of management, they want to do something else, they don't hit their minimum guarantees, they paid for all my patents, and guess what? They gave it back and I licensed it to another company again. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And you know, the, the other beautiful part about this is that depending, this is totally dependent upon what you're doing, you may, li- you may license this idea, product, or piece of intellectual property to a company in one industry, and maybe you've got an exclusive on that industry. Depending on what it is, you may negotiate, okay, well, but I can also license it to this industry, or I can also license it over here. So you can have, once more, so yeah, multiple ways to skin that cat. And it's, it's really all negotiable. It's up to your imagination of you know, what's possible. What's wonderful about that, the, the one product that I've mentioned I was able to license it to um, different categories. It's a, it's a rotating label. It's in the packaging industry. So I can license it to someone in liquor, 
licenses someone in soda, spices, food, pharmacy. Nice. Now, now I know a little. I want you to back up and just explain what that is. I, I'm familiar with it's the spin formation, right? Or is that what you called it? Or yes, acudile or something of that nature. Yeah, it's it started out. It's basically, it's really simple. It's just two labels mm-hmm. on a container, and the, the base label has information, and the top label has a window that when you spin the top label, it reveals more information on the base label. It's two labels in one, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a very clever way of just delivering more information for maybe multiple languages, drug facts, warnings, games, coupons, things like that. Uh, they give you an example, and people are always like, well, the label industry. Well, you know, it's consumables. Um, one, of the, one of the top companies, of course, in the country, Coca-Cola, they do a billion Cokes a day. <laughs> so not all of them are, are that um, large. I had licensed it to a, a company, Rexall Sundown, when I first started. And they did. You know, that was a small company. And they had it on two production lines. Their total production lines were 13, but they had it on two and they did 50 million labels for me a, a year. That was a quarter of a million dollars just for one, one account. Wow. And you didn't, the nice part, you didn't have to do any of the business. You had the idea, you built the relationship, you signed the agreement, you cashed the checks. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, and, and that's really what's better, so exciting about this. Well, better yet, it wasn't even my idea. Yeah. Else's. Is this the one you said that uh, you had found the idea elsewhere and somebody else had not capitalized and monetized it? And you, um... I'll tell you, I thought I had, I thought finally I had this great idea. I'm not that, that creative. And my attorneys were, they kind of questioned it because they knew I wasn't that talented. But they did some research and they realized, hey, Steve, you maybe, maybe you were the first one. Well, I found out a little bit later, no, someone else had invented it. And everybody told me to kind of do something else. But when I read the patent, there was no method of manufacturing. And better yet, no one had ever produced it on the market. So I just figured out how to manufacture it and then started licensing to every company I could possibly find. That's great. Now, how hard was it to get in the door and find companies in order to license it? Well, this was a few years ago, so okay. it was a little bit more difficult, but it's not that hard. Today with LinkedIn, oh, today yeah. with um, companies looking for ideas, with open innovation, it's easy. Now, now getting into a Coca-Cola might be a little bit more difficult, and I tell everybody, if you've got an idea for someone that large, go through their ad agency because, number one, they're going to pick up their phone because they sell, right? Yeah. And, and, and number two – they're almost obligated to show any creative idea to their client. That's that's perfect. I love that. Yeah, the, the, if, because they're obligated, they have to show it. They already trust their ad agency, so you're kind of going in a side door. Yeah, you're going at a very high level door. That's that's a difference too, so, right? And yeah. and then approaching approaching them. Do you typically like if you were approaching an ad agency or you know the company? Um, and I, I'm also setting you up. I, I, I do know that you, you teach people how to do all this stuff. And we're going to, so if you're sitting here listening, oh man, you're not giving enough information. I don't know how to do it. We're going to give you resources from Stephen to go out and learn how to do this, you know, step by step or even help, you know, Stephen and his team hold your hand. But in general, do, um, do you send a, a, a mail? Do you do a cold call? Do you try to get an introduction? What, what have you found is kind of the best way for John Q. Public? It's okay. a great the, idea to do this. Well, first of all, let's talk about the ad agencies because that's really quite simple. Great. I, I'm always a little bit um, 
I did a little kind of quiet. You know, I would call up an ad agency and maybe speak to some low-level um, account executive mm-hmm. and just say, look, I'm a product developer and I've got a packaging innovation that maybe, maybe just one of your clients might be interested in. Now, I've already done my research and I know that Coke is their client. Okay, yeah, right. I say that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you can play a little bit of like Columbo. You, you, you have to and it works. So he, he's intrigued. So you, sh- you send them over to a website, you send them a sell sheet, he looks at it, and they're like, wow, this is, this is kind of interesting. And then I'll send a sample, and they'll see that. And before you know it, they get all excited about it, and then they start opening the door. So I, I do it very, um, um, not under the, I, I just keep a very low profile, right? Sure. Um, I don't try to oversell it. I, I, I think you, I, like, I think people like to be surprised, kind mm-hmm. of. So... If, if you're going to call – now, let's say you want to call directly to a company. That's really simple. Uh, I would pick up the phone and, and, of course, I'm going to reach the operator. And that's your best friend. Don't forget it, everybody. Creator well or him or her. Yeah, because they're going to help you. And if you're very polite, that's, that's one thing I learned from my mentor early on is that be polite to everyone going up because you're going to probably meet them coming back down sometime. <laughs> that's true. Okay, so – you get in with the gatekeeper. You say, hi, I'm a product developer. Never say you're an inventor. Ugh. Oh, what? right, yeah. Inventor, because it, it's like, oh, gosh, some guy from his in his garage has got some it, crazy idea. It's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really works well if, if, if you're going after a, a, a PR piece, being an inventor. They love that. Oh, or yeah. at, a, at a dinner party, yes, but never to a company. You're a product developer. They have product developers. They know um, what they are. And I just say, hey, you know, hi, my name is Stephen Key. I'm with Stephen Key Design. I'm a product developer. And I would like to start submitting ideas to your company. Now, they don't know what to do with that. <laughs> That's a good point. And I know that. So there's a couple of departments I know I don't want to start with. One of them is legal. So if they mention something about going to the legal department, you say, you know, that's not really the right place. Mm-hmm. So you guide them. To someone in the marketing department, if you have a new hammer, you might say, gee, I have an idea for a small tool such as a hammer. Can I speak to the project manager in small tools? And they'll connect me. Mm-hmm. Or, But those people are a little hard to get to as well. So you can always ask for someone in sales because guess what? They always pick up their phone. Yeah, right? that's, so, that's a good point. Yeah, and so and if a salesperson likes it, he just doesn't care where an idea comes from. He just wants to sell. <laughs> so, so you show him an idea, and he might be he might be that person that's going to champion your idea. He might see it and go, you know, this is fantastic. I sell this to all my customers. He might run in there and show it to who knows who he's going to show it to, and he could get it in there for you as well. I love it. Now, if you are, this is a, a, now just a small twist in the languaging when you're introducing yourself. If you're if you're acting as an agent on uh, somebody else's behalf, do you introduce yourself as an agent, or do you introduce yourself as the product developer? You just might say, "Look, um, I represent um, product developers, and we'd like to start working with your company, submitting ideas." Yeah, easy. See, it's really quite simple. And most people are not going to be prepared for that call. And I know that. So I know who I need to get to. But also, some companies are. Today, you could go online. They've got things to fill out, which is kind of a black hole. But you need to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, you need to still make those calls. LinkedIn, if you have a name, that's even faster. If you can drop a name, you can get there so much quicker. So there's all these different ways. But companies, 
um, in some industries, they have a new product submission division or, and they've got a person there waiting to receive those ideas. That's how crazy it is. So yeah, they're waiting, they're waiting for the ideas and, um, they can't have enough of them. They, that's what they feed on the, um, okay. So now the, I would imagine the typical response is, but there's so many companies out there. Where do I start? It's almost like going to the Cheesecake Factory and looking at their menu and going, this is an 80-page menu. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> now, that's actually a, a wonderful question. What I do, I would go down to uh, a store that you think you, this particular product would sell well in. Okay. And let's say, you know, I want this to be in Walmart. So okay. I go down to Walmart and I find the aisle that this particular product would would be on. And then I draw this big circle, big target, and I call all those companies that are in that spot. So for instance, so let's say I have a hammer innovation. I go down to Home Depot and I I find all the hammers. I look at them all there and I write down all their names. Those are the companies I target. Now, but realize this, the large companies don't really need don't really need the help, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. have a terrible attitude and they've got the business, so they're a little bit tougher, right? They only really bend when you're biting into their business a little bit. Right. The small guy's too small, basically. You find that mid-level guy. I call everybody, by the way. Mm-hmm. Right? But I just know that I'm going to find that that mid-sized company that wants to be number one. They want to be hungry. They're willing to take a risk. Those guys, you love them. Oh, yeah. Find number two and number three because yep. they're, they're, they're striving to get up to number one. Absolutely. That, that's great. And you know, that's, it's really, I guess, that simple. You don't have to just open up the, uh, <laughs> I don't know, not Yellow Pages, but um, you don't just have to start dialing every company go find out yeah okay yeah who do you represent what kind of ideas do you have who else is already selling ideas similar to that and then call them up because the one thing you know you know they're they're capitalizing on that that you could you could also uh, today it's a little easier to you could do a google product search Mm -hmm. and become an expert in a micro category okay because you could go there and say look i want to look up you know barbecue spatulas and I can see every barbecue spatula that's ever made. And they, you know, then I could dig a little deeper and they'll have the spec and they'll have the manufacturer. I love all that stuff. It's all there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, within a couple hours, you can be an expert in the field. That's what's really amazing about today, um, the research ability. And I love that because today it's all about speed, right? And that's why licensing is so exciting to, to me is Today, it's really not a, it, it's not about starting a company and, and building your way to the top. To me, it's about finding that partner that has everything in place, making that connection, and then it's speed to market. Yeah, and that's your best protection ever. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, money loves speed, and mm-hmm. there's so many ideas. Like, I mean, I had one where you know years ago. I saw it on TV after I had this great idea. I had no idea what to do with it, but I was really excited about it. I was like, ah, oh, this is way too complex. This is you know, when I was in my early 20s. Way too complex for me to, to try to do something. I'm just going to go back to my cubicle and work. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's such a depressing thought when you realize that, hey, guess what? There are other ways to, to capitalize on this. People need these ideas. Um, you know, 5% of a, of a big number, if somebody's selling, uh, you know, Ten million, a hundred million dollars worth of something—that's an extreme. But five percent—that's a really—you can get really rich off, 
you know, 5% numbers. We have one student of ours that came up with this great organization tool, and it's one of the top sellers in the Apple stores. Oh, wow. And it, it, he has 200 SKUs. He, he was able to take that same idea and apply it to all these different types of the ways they use it. You know, is, oh, it um, is it an app or is it something like It's a an organizer. Product? No, it's, it's, it's actually it's called uh, Cocoon. Okay. And it's one of those designers again, right? He, he, he has a background in industrial design. He went to the art center too. And he came up with this little way of organizing things for your, your purse or your backpack or your suitcase. You name it. It just has elastic bands and you just put things in it. It's very simple. Oh, wow. And it, it's everywhere. I've seen ideas. I'm very fortunate because of... Um, working with a lot of students over the years that I see some remarkable ideas, but I also see some of the dumbest ideas you've ever seen. <laughs> I believe it. And I scratch my head th- thinking never in a million years are they going to license those ideas. And when they do, I'm always shocked. Yeah. So it, it, uh, it's well, an amazing world. And it, it also has to, it shocks you, but it also has to really excite you about the field because even if, if the dumbest ideas in the world can get, licensed and and create cash flow for somebody that means that a good idea has a hundred times better shot at doing that i don't think it i don't think it has to be an a idea i think it'd be a b and c and i've seen it so we we always bring on students at times and we let them talk about their experience and and when you listen to them you realize well they're not they're not great salespeople, and you know they don't have any special skills but they came up with an idea and they sent it to a company and now they got a licensing deal and most people end up scratching their heads about it. Like, how did he do that? It's not complicated. You do have to get off the couch, Brad. That's the deal. <laughs> That's great. Now, what do, you, what do you think are some of the markets, or, or are there any markets that you see as being hotter than others? So there's, you know, we talked about, you know, various different things in, in this conversation, but. All right. That's, a, that's a, another great question. Uh, the pet industry is on fire. It's been on fire for years. People love their pets. They're always going to feed their pets before they pay their mortgage. Yep. That's Couldn't agree great, more. Yeah, that's a great industry. Uh, I would say kitchen gadgets is, is also. Oh, yeah, always a really good one. Well, that's because I think in the last couple of years, people have been staying home a little mm-hmm. bit. So kitchen gadgets, um, do it yourself. Um, same thing with the economy. People are doing more themselves. That's really popular. Hardware. Of course, uh, novelty gift, that, that was an industry I was in for years. That's kind of a goofy industry. Uh, but they're, you know, because it's seasonal, mm-hmm. uh, it's a huge demand. If you're creative and like stupid, fun, dumb ideas, they will love you to death. Uh, that's a great industry to be in as well. Uh, toy industry is a little competitive. Uh, there's some really smart, creative people in that space. There's only a few really big companies now, so it's a little bit difficult to get to those guys. You have to go through toy brokers, which is you can still do it, but it takes a lot of past knowledge on what has been done. Makes sense. Uh, packaging industry is a little bit difficult. I wouldn't recommend anybody to go into that without a background and, and machinery of how these things are made because at the end of the day, it's hard to change equipment because there's, it's so large. The volumes are so large that it's all scaling up. So it takes a, it takes a certain person with a certain expertise to, to win in that category. Okay. Um, so it's just it's fun. You never know. I, I think, uh, of course, apps is on fire. I mean, I always thought, do we need another app? Yes, we do. <laughs> and, and 
that's never going to end. So it's, I think, opportunities wide open for anybody. That's why I would build a network. If I was going to be in the kitchen category, I'd, I would know all the companies in the kitchen category that are looking for ideas. So I'd have like 20 companies, personal relationships, and then I'd get all the top designers, right, about 20 of them, and say, all right, we're going to win in the kitchen category here, guys. And these are what these guys are looking for. Let's keep on feeding them. What do you guys got? That's beautiful. Now, kind of reversing back in the beginning, you talked about how you went to, I think it was something in Pasadena or uh, an art design school, et cetera. What are some other places to find some of these great product designers that um, folks may not know about? Um, the Art Center, there's a, quite a few of them. They're, they're worldwide. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very expensive. I, mean, I think it's a couple hundred thousand dollars to go to it in two years. Okay, wow. So these are, these are pretty talented and resourceful the best. people. They're the best. So if you do nothing else but going to the art center and finding – and it's not just people who are making paintings, right? It's people who are designing all well, types they, of things. Yeah, they do. There's like seven disciplines of design. That's great. And I would tap into all of them. And just – they have an alumni. Um, in fact, I spoke at their alumni association out in New York. Mm-hmm. They still are very – a lot of organizations are very um, – they support their their – the, the tr- their trade association supports their members. So I tap into all the alumni. Most of those alumni now have design studios, right, firms. So, and they all, they all have ideas too. Yeah, I so, imagine. And those guys are sick and tired of designing products for other people and not collecting royalties. That's why I tap into all those guys. So you tap in. You, you start off the rela- – and it's easy enough to start off the beginning relationship. And then what do you – how do you offer to build, get the relationships with the designers? Do you come in and try to meet with whether it's a class or, you know, what's kind of the step right there? That- yeah, I would, I would probably, um, I'd probably meet with the professor first and okay. teachers and say, look, I'm looking for some of your top talent here to, to show them an opportunity and build a relationship with that first. And that person might be able to feed you every year, new, new talent coming up, right? Yeah. So I would do that. I'd also go back to um, some of the, the design firms and maybe start with some of the smaller ones first, build a relationship with the owner and say, hey, do you guys have any ideas laying around <laughs> that you'd like for, me to, <laughs> like for me to push uphill for you? Of course, they're going to say yes. Yeah. And then build a relationship with those guys too. You might, be reali- you might realize it might, you might need two or three of these design guys behind you to, to really make a difference. These guys are fast. The thing I like about when it's at this level, their prototypes look beautiful. Oh, I imagine. Yeah, they're, they're gorgeous. And they've been taught to not so much invent, but to innovate. Mm, and that's a point. very big distinction because you don't have to invent something new. That's very hard to bring to market. But if you innovate, make an improvement on a small, on a product that already exists, and that's what they do. Yeah, that's where the real money is because you don't have to convince somebody that there is a market for this. You just built a better mousetrap. You got it. And those guys are they're trained to do that through observation. Yeah. Yeah, and th- that's I, I, I love this because it really is like that's not one of my that's not one of my strengths. So I remember when I read I read one simple idea and I've you know thought about this for a while. I'm like, ah, I really consider myself a creative guy, but when it comes down to thinking about how to improve this you know, whatever. I'm looking at a dog collar sitting in front of me. Like, how do I improve this dog collar? I don't know. And I go off to thinking about something else. But somebody does, and somebody's probably improved that dog, dog collar. He just doesn't have a market for it. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah, my, my you know, it, 
my background, you know, I started in, um, I went to college to study economics, hated every minute of it, mm. and became an artist. <laughs> you know, I loved working with my hands, but I wasn't that creative. It just, I loved it, but it, it, I could tell there's people that were very, really, really good at this. But where my strength was, I found a creative way to, to get into companies, a creative way to, to build those relationships, a creative way to bring it to market. And that's, that's where my, I think my skills came with. But my ideas were never that great. Um, but I, I ended up licensing tons of stuff and making a very good living. But they, I'm an amateur at best. Oh, yeah, and that, and the fact that you've had so much success being an amateur at best, I mean, it's really encouraging to anybody out there. You know, one of the, or, or two of the things that kind of came to, just sprung to my mind, um, and, you know, just with licensing, different opportunities. Well, first of all, this isn't even an opportunity. It's just kind of for folks having a hard time really wrapping their mind around this. One of the oldest industries ever, uh, publishing is nothing more than a licensing agreement. You're licensing content from an author and you're paying them. I mean, a, a really good publishing deal, 10 to 15% uh, royalty on your book on a, a really big mainstream publisher. Um, but they're, in essence, they're paying you for the right. They're renting you, you know, your, your, uh, your information because they have, a, a dis- they have the distribution, they have the, the people, they have the ins with everybody else versus you know, in the past, if you were to self-publish, you're kind of sitting there going, um, now what do I do? Now, granted, the whole publishing world has been turned on its head from self-publishing. I've published eight, eight bestsellers myself uh, of other people's uh, things. And Stephen, one of the things that I did, just in licensing information, I, I call this a reverse ghostwriting <laughs> deal, but uh, I, I had an idea for a book and I wrote the book and I wrote it in the author's kind of the, their voice because I knew okay, this was, a, this was a great catchy title and I have an idea for what it should be. So I kind of, I, I wrote it, I had it edited and I had it you know, improved. And then I licensed the author's name wow. and, <laughs> and, and I leveraged their distribution channel. So as opposed to the author going, or an expert going, I'm going to hire somebody to ghostwrite a book for me and I'll just pay them a fee or I'll pay them you know, 10% of whatever I make. I was like, no, screw that. I have the content. I just need somebody else's name on this. And what they got is they got a best-selling book because they promoted it to their big following. And I own eighty percent of the royal uh, of the. I own the, the. I'm sorry. I own the copyright on it, okay. and I pay them uh, like I don't know twenty percent royalty. They did nothing, but they get the benefit of a of a best-selling book. That is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. You, you know what that is? That's um, creating for the marketplace. Yeah. And that's really smart because I, I talk a little bit about that, of course. But you look at, you found an opportunity. You found someone that had the great distribution. You were able to use their voice, content. I think it's brilliant. And that's what uh, that's why I'm saying don't ever just try to pull an idea out of your head. No. Uh-uh. Find oh, yeah, the it, mar- it, it, you know what I did right after that? Sorry to, oh, sorry to overtalk. But uh, what, what I did right after that is I said, like, okay, how can I make this easier? So I found another friend who had tried to publish a book on uh, – or a series of books on Amazon. These were actually recipe books. And he was a nobody, absolutely nobody. And he realized that, okay, this is harder than it looks. You can get, it, you can get the book published, but getting readers to buy it is a different thing. I have another friend who has a very large following in the health and wellness space. And I just I said to him, how would you like to have a best-selling book and not do anything except for let your l- list know about it? He's like, well, what do you mean? 
I was like, well, I'll be right back. And I called my other friend who had these recipes. I go, hey, man, can I um, – how'd you like these to, to get an income stream with nothing else? He said, sure. I said, I just need the master rights to all your recipes that you created. And I, I changed them up a little bit, did a little bit of editing, wrote an introduction based upon the, the person who owned the big health blog. And now it's the health blog – and I don't really want to give all this out just because you know whatever, but uh, like the names, although you could find it. But um, there's the health blog – you know, ultimate recipe collection. They didn't do anything. They got their, they put their name on it. They put their, you know, their authorship on it. They didn't write anything. I handled absolutely everything. All they did was tell their list about it that, guys, go get our, our book. And it got up to a best selling recipe book for like two or three days on Amazon. It was amazing. And then the guy who had all the recipes written, he's making, I can't even remember what the, uh, what the royalty rate was, but let's just say, okay, I'll pay you. 15% of everything we sell and I'll pay the the other people who had the blog 15% and I kept 70%. Well, you know, that ties in perfectly. Now I know why you're so fascinated about being the middleman. Now you because, know how my, how my brain works. <laughs> well, you're, you've done the same thing but in a different field. See, yeah. you understand it. And that's just putting the pieces together. That's, you know, looking up, you know, from a different perspective and how to put the pieces together. Yeah, Absolutely. and you know why? Because I'm lazy. I really am. I don't like product creation. I don't like thinking about all the other ways. I'm always looking for shortcuts, but more so leverage points. And I think that's really what everybody should do is look for where are the leverage points in your business? I'm, what are you well, trying to accomplish? I used to say when people ask me, you know, this is a really tough question, Steve, what do you do? Yeah. And truly, I'm an opportunist. <laughs> I am the same thing. I say I'm an opportuneur. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, that's great! So yeah, oh, you know, so this uh, this was another thing I love talking about because it it really opened my eyes and and it's um, it's something that in the in the mainstream world of licensing it's done all the time. But I was really just getting introduced to this world and drinking from the fire hose. So about uh, a year ago, I went to the licensing expo in Las Vegas. Oh. And have you ever been to that? Yes. Okay, and it's crazy. Like I was. I was a fish out of water. Uh, I was, you're dealing with the biggest, some of the biggest brands in the world there. And I was just talking to everybody, finding out, you know, just asking questions. And I loved it. Highly recommend anybody go. And I think it's free to go to. Uh, I think the tickets are free, but there's like, I don't know, 20,000 people there. And I stopped by, the most memorable experience is I stopped by Wiley Press. I think it's Wiley. Maybe it's Wiley owned Dummies Books. I think so. I think so. Anyway, I stopped by the Dummies Books stand, and we were just talking. And everybody's familiar with, oh, Dummies Guide to you know doing whatever. Dummies Guide to Podcasting. But what I didn't know is that they license out the Dummies brand for physical products. And he gave me a bunch of different examples. And I was like, well, give me one example. And the one he gave me was he said, well, there was a company, and it was a very small company. They, they decided they wanted to uh, license the Dummies brand and – Build a GPS, like a kind of like a Garmin or TomTom navigation system for for, for, for dummies. <laughs> dummies, and it was really called GPS navigation for dummies. And so they went to China or Taiwan or wherever, and they had one of these, you know, made, and you can get them made really cheap. And they just customized the software enough to where when you first logged on, it had the little dummy's head on it, and it was kind of a, you know the yellow and black theme around it, but it was really simple. It didn't do, it didn't have all the bells and whistles. It was just really simple. And the the guy who represented dummies went on to explain, he goes, so they licensed our name. Now what that brings, number one, is people know the Dummies brand as opposed to, you know, Acme GPS, you're competing with Garmin and TomTom. So now you have a name brand behind it. But he said, more importantly, you know, they don't sell 
Garmin and TomTom at CVS and Walgreens and a lot of other places. But they sell dummies products. So we picked up the phone and we introduced you know, the, you know, the person who now represents our dummies GPS to our channel partner over at Walgreens and CVS and whomever, and now and even Home Shopping Network and stuff. Now they're opening doors because they licensed our brand. Well, you know what's amazing about that story? That's called licensing in. Yeah, and yeah. The terms are always the same. I became a Disney licensee. Oh, really? You know, um, a couple years ago, I had started a small company. That's the reason why I wrote that second book, the one simple idea for startups. Mm-hmm. I was in the guitar pick business. Now, why would anybody be in the guitar pick business? So, But I realized that we created these guitar picks that were lifestyle. Some of them were in the shape of Mickey Mouse. We oh, had cool. ones with the lenticular lens that had 13 frames of a Disney movie. We did all this kind of crazy stuff that musicians liked, but that wasn't our audience. Our audience was just everyday people. Mm-hmm. So we ended up selling more guitar picks than the largest guitar pick manufacturer in the world. In you fact, he made them for us. you got to be kidding me. No, and he was so astounded until I told him, I said, look, you've got great guitar picks, but you're only selling them to great guitarists. I'm selling them to everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I can just imagine if, you know, I, I started playing guitar when I was, I think I was in sixth grade or something like this, maybe even younger. And, uh, you know, at the time, yeah, if you would have given me a novelty pick, I don't yes. know if, I, you know, Mickey Mouse, you know, whatever it was, Batman pick, all that other kind of stuff, I could see how that's. We sold them at Walmart. We sold them at 7 Eleven. People ask me, why would 7 Eleven carry a guitar pick? There must be a lot of musicians that go there. I laughed so hard. But the point is, after we had developed our line of guitar picks, we started with the Skull because Skulls were very popular, our Skull-shaped guitar pick. We basically ran out of content. So I went to one of those shows, licensing shows. This was in New York. And I met some people and, of course, Disney. And I became a Disney licensee. And we put Mickey Mouse, Winnie the Pooh, you name it, uh, Nightmare, with Tim Burton's movie, we put them all on guitar picks and sold a ton of them. And the great thing about what you just said, we were able to leverage the Disney name. Oh, yeah. And they even would call companies, retailers for us if we couldn't get in. Isn't that great? Yeah. I mean, now, talk, was, about, talk yeah. about getting, it's like Big Brother to uh, <laughs> you know, walk you to the cool party. And what was really great, it cost us for three years, the minimum guarantees were $50,000 for a worldwide exclusive at Disney. Really? Yep. That's actually really cheap. I thought we made that up the first year, and I thought that was the best money I ever spent. Wow. So I was going to, and that was one of the next questions I was going to ask because, uh, you know, the bigger the name, the more money you're going to have to pay for it, and the more complex it's going to be. So if, but you, you got a worldwide exclusive for guitar picks for Disney for only $50,000, and you had to pay that up front, right? No, I had to pay it. Um, we had to pay a one-time fee each year for three years. Okay, of fifty thousand. No, no, but they divided that in that fifty thousand oh. three. You know, each year. Oh, they financed it over three years. Yes, uh, that's even better. Let me tell you what's crazy. I I remember calling up um, the licensing person at Disney, and I, I was very new to this, Brad. And I said, "Can you explain to me how this works?" So he explained to me, and he said, "Well, what do you have?" I said, "Well, I have a guitar pick." He goes, "Well." Have you ever considered licensing our our images on your guitar picks? 
I said, well, no. He goes, well, we don't have anybody that's currently doing that. So How would you like to be a licensee? I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So Disney, gave, they, told, they gave you the idea. Yes. That's beautiful. You know, that brings me right back to uh, the licensing expo. And I was walking around the booths. And there were several booths. I remember one for Elmer's Glue. I remember for, you know, the one that had the, uh, that represented all Edgar, who is it? Edgar Rice Burroughs, who has all the Tarzan stuff. So they, they had these booths with displays of all different types of products, uh, with let's, whether it's Elmer's Glue on it or the Tarzan logo. They had like Tarzan hot sauce, Tarzan, uh, greens <laughs> drink. And I go, you guys sell this? They go, no, these are examples of stuff that we would love to put our, our name on. So if you sell a hot, if you can get a, if you do a hot sauce, if you do a greens drink, if you do a protein drink or whatever, we're happy to license our name brand on your products. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You're, you're teeing this up for me. And my, so my head was exploding. I came out of there just like reeling going, um, it, it was such a, a fantastic experience with me. I mean, I've been licensing for 30 years, but to become a Disney licensee, they, they schooled me pretty good, Brad. Oh, I, um, I, I thought I knew a lot, but they, they taught me a whole nother world of, of licensing. But the bottom line is everybody, um, you can license in, you can license out, you can be the middleman that you have been, I've been. There's all this fun stuff. So people need to... to, to if if you don't know what licensing is, you know, investigate it, look it up because I think it's it's fascinating business model. No, don't look it up. That's you know, go to look, buy Amazon. My book. Exactly, buy one what? simple idea. Thank you. And and you've also got uh, let's let's plug Stephen Key a little bit. So you've got uh, your website is is inventright.com, Is that correct? Yes. Cool. So it's invent. R-I-G-H-T. So what kind of stuff do you, what kind of services, products, coaching, anything do you do there? How do you help people who are like, man, I am sold on this? Well, you know what's, I'm glad you asked. We, I started about 12 years ago, I I met Andrew Krauss. He he was running the largest inventors organization in the country. And we kind of met, it was by accident. And he, he realized that I was very good at licensing ideas. And he said, Steve, most people have no idea what this is. And we decided to start a company 12 years ago called InventRight. And what I really liked about it, I was doing other things. It was a labor of love. It was a way to, to um, spread my, my knowledge. And it, it gave me confidence. It gave me a, a, a place to have my voice. Because I was actually pretty quiet about that time. And now you can barely shut me up. But at the time... It was just something education brought it. Uh, it made me feel good to give back. And this little company has been around for 12 years now. We have students all around the world. We have a, it's a year-long program where basically we hold your hand. And that sounds terrible, but that's exactly what we do. We help you from the very start, from how to develop a sell sheet, how to identify if you've got an idea that's marketable, to how to reach out to companies, to, to signing the deal. We've got six deals on the table now that I help my students cut those deals with those companies. And I tell them, look, we have a team. It's a very small company. It's very personalized. It will never be scalable. But we're going to win every time. We have more experience than anybody in the industry. I love this business. I have a loyal group of people that I call them my students. They're not customers. They're my students. Yeah. And I have, I have students all around the world. It's a good company. It's, it's a company that's been around for a long time. We're not going anywhere. But it's strictly education. We don't ask for any part of the business. Uh, we that's just rare. Impact. And that's, 
that as that compares to, I, I guarantee a lot of people have seen uh, those, you know, those daytime commercials for <laughs> hey inventors. What's your opinion on those? I say this knowing it, but go ahead. Um, well, I, I, someone asked me that question the other day, and I, I I have a tendency to just kind of say, look, if something sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Okay, and always kick the tires on anybody you're going to work with and, and just do some research and, and investigate yourself. Those guys, um, they do things a little bit differently. We empower people. We're not, we're not the middleman on these things. We, we need you to go out there and cut your own deals and cut the middleman out. That's what we do. Right. So we have a very different approach. It's strictly education. We're not an invention submission company. That's what they are. They have certain guidelines they have to abide by. Um, so we do things completely different. So let me uh, let's do some clarification then, uh, because I'm not real familiar with with those companies, except that I've heard people just losing a lot of money and not getting anything out of it in the past. But so how does that differ from what kind of you were saying to set yourself up as a as a company like an agent, where look I've got relationships with big companies and I've got relationships with designers, etc. So how do you how does that differ? You don't from charge what you guys money. Are doing? You don't charge any money. Good point. So these guys, these guys are charging money up front, basically, in order to submit your idea, right? Yes. All right. That's great. And so they're, they're like, you give us money, we're going to make all our money like that, and then uh, we'll, we'll sift through all the other crap and maybe find one that, that works. Yeah, kind of, yes. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> well, and that, and that, you know, that's, that's a good clarification in it. It really does make a lot of sense. Um, you know, I'm on your website right now, and everybody should be going to inventright.com. And I, I just clicked on the coaching tab, and I was taking a look at what you've got. And it really is amazing. I mean, you say, you know, personal coaching for a year, product evaluation, contract negotiations, how to write your own uh, provisional patent application, uh, which, by the way, if folks don't know, a, a provisional patent allows you to get the protection of a patent. For I think it's a full year, right? And instead of saving, you know, instead of paying thousands up to ten thousand or more, or whatever, on a patent, what's a provisional patent cost these days? Sixty-five dollars, right? And so, you get all the protection for a year as you're developing this out. It's we save people uh, thousands and thousands of dollars, but more than that, we increase their chances of success, and we show them how they can do this without quitting their job. We show them how they can be empowered, how they can learn to open doors, build relationships. And take that creativity and bring it to market through licensing. So it's a really, uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it started as a labor of love, but it's become much, much more than that. I'm very proud of that company and we, it's very precious. So we, we, we do things the right way. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say what you're charging for this coaching right now. I'm gonna let people go to inventright.com, click on the coaching tab, but it's way too cheap for what you're offering. Oh my you know, god, I, I'm embarrassed sometimes, and people ask us, Steve, how can you do it for that price? We've since we've been doing it for so long, we have a process. It's kind of a self serve where. We direct you to the information. We, I teach a class every Thursday along with my partner, Andrew Krauss. And you can, we have more content about licensing than probably any place in the world since we've been doing it for so long. So people can find the information. They can, they can listen to it. They can learn from it. And then we evaluate it for them. We, have, we set up meetings. We go through it to make sure they're, they're always on the right track. And that's what we do. So it's, it's a lot of hand-holding. But we make it so we put the work back on our students. Simple as that, because that's the only way you really learn. You learn by doing. 
Yeah, that's great. So do you have, are, are there any um, other success stories of some of your students that you, you, you oh. care to share that we're, you're just really, really proud of? Uh, there, there's there, there's interesting stories. I'm proud of everyone that yeah. and I love I love every idea. In fact, um, I look at it this way: you're trying to find a home for your idea. That makes sense. Okay, and some of them are going to make a lot of money, and some are going to make a little bit of money. Uh, we have every idea. We have ideas from you know how to. Uh, one of our students was a 18 year old that came up with a beer bong belt. He's <laughs> To someone that has a little screw on a guitar that is that is licensed it and sold it to every major guitar manufacturer in the world, to um, products that you will see from major companies, it's all over the board. In fact, I would suggest if anybody's really interested to hear my student's story, you can you can go to one of the pages and you can look at. Let them tell their story, and we bring them on the class, and we they tell they they actually share with with the audience. How did they do it? And I think instead of me talking about how to do it, I love my students to talk about it. That's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm on that same page, that your coaching page, I see personal coaching success stories, a whole bunch of little pictures of folks who've done amazing things. And so if I clicked on those, each one of these is going to give me a little bit of a case study. Yeah, we bring them on and we just basically say, tell us what you did. So see, now I'm just going to, you're going to waste my entire day because I'm just going to go through every single one of these. Now I'm not going to be productive because <laughs> that's so interesting to me because there really is nothing more interesting to me than hearing all these great ideas like, oh my God, I never would have, I can't believe that somebody did this with that. And it just, because it just empowers you to realize that, man, if you have an idea, there's so many ways to, to capitalize on it one beyond thing, the ordinary. Yeah. One thing I want to mention, when McGraw-Hill had contacted me and to write a book, they had found that a fairly large audience. And I, I remember calling Tim Ferriss and said, you know, Tim, why should I write a book? And so we talked about that. And he said, Steve, if you're going to write a book, write it like it's your last. It was the best advice. And we put our entire course, right, into a $14 book. Yeah. Everybody told me no. <laughs> they said, why would you give away your, your tips and your secrets? Why would you give away strategies? And I said, you know, this, this is important information. Everybody has it, needs to have it. And we ha- we've had a lot of people license ideas just from our, the yellow book. Really? Oh, tons. And what's even great, I tell everybody, if you want more than that, then sign up for my course. Be a student. But if not, just buy the book. It works. Right. And you know what's great about that is you can buy the book. It can open your mind. And as I said, I read it two or three times because I, I remember it was one of the first pieces that I read about licensing. I was like, okay, I know of it. I've heard a little bit about it. I think um, I really started to get into – I don't – you familiar with Jay Abraham mm-hmm. or not? Yeah, so yes. he talks a lot about licensing, strategic alliances, et cetera, et cetera. And then I just kind of started to go down the rabbit hole. I found your book. What was great about it is it really opened my mind to some of the possibilities. And then I went back maybe six months later and read it again. And I got new things at, after I read it. And now having done several licensing deals you know, on my own and in different ways, uh, I get something new every time I kind of go back to it and, and whatnot. I, it is an amazing resource with so many – I mean I- – I gave it all away. In fact, when McGraw Hill said, "Look, we we'd like for you to write another book," I said, "There isn't anything else I could say." Yeah, you know, like, and, and I really think that the entire I, I do, my the past six seven years or, or so have for myself have really been focused 
more than anything on information marketing. That's kind of where I made my bones as an entrepreneur and whatnot is understanding how to sell and market information, you know, primarily online, whether it's on Amazon or my own sites. And one of the big changes that I've seen is that uh, information is being somewhat commoditized and it's it's not as easy to just charge outrageous amounts of money for access to a how-to product. It, it's still being done, but it's it's harder. And there's so many books that have so much great information. But where I think the real premium is coming in is in the hand-holding, the coaching, the, okay, I, the, the book will tell you what to do. The information product will tell you what to do. But if you're really serious and you want to do this, there's nothing more valuable and a better ROI than coaching or mentoring and apprenticing with somebody who's done it before, who knows how to walk you through the, through the landmines that are invariably going to pop up. And if you're really serious about it, that's where I, I think you did it right. Look, I've got the book. Go get all the great information in there. And I've got my entire coaching and mentoring program, which, as I said, you're charging you know, probably 10% of what you should be because of the amount of money people can make with what you're doing. But um, you Which know, is more reason to go visit your darn site if you're listening to this podcast well, right now. What you said is absolutely right. What happens, people – they read the book and they realize they start to they do it right away. I, what I love about the book, you can start today. You, you don't have to read the whole book. You can mm-hmm. you can jump in and, and get started. They get excited about it. They might hit a roadblock or they might say, you know, I want someone to kind of help me a little bit. And that's when they come back and say, look, Steve, you got a great program, and they join up. Some people do, some people don't. I've spoken to so many people that have licensed ideas and thank me. I love it when they come back and say, Steve you've helped me license an idea and I, you changed my life. So it's a, it's a great book. I think it's going to be around for many, many years. It still holds its own on Amazon. And, uh, it was a pleasure writing it. Well, uh, it, it was a, it was a pleasure reading it too. I, I gotta tell you. So anything else you're, uh, you're working on these days? Any, any big things you'd like to, to share, you know, beyond I, this that we may, may not know about? Well, I have another business, um, what happened, a company, a private equity firm, purchased my patent portfolio of the rotating label. So I file a lot of patents. I manage a patent portfolio of over 50 patents and help manufacture for those guys. So that keeps me, and I've got a, a small staff, so that keeps me pretty busy. Uh, of course, InventRight, I've got a great small team that handles that for me. So I'm still involved in innovation. I'm still licensing ideas. I still reach out. I'm, I, I'm still very much um, Finding my own struggles, you know, my own climbing my own mountains too. Because people always ask me, "See, what do you do?" Well, you never. Um, I guess I'm, I'm happy, but I'm never content. Mm-hmm. Same here. All right, so I'm always looking for that mountain to climb. Uh, I have a couple other books that are in the works. That's great. But, um, I think people are going to be surprised. There's a great opportunity that's happening. Uh, I just made the pitch to McGraw Hill. I'm waiting to hear the, the the green light to go on that next book. Oh, beautiful! So it's all exciting. It's a new world, and I, I try. To, I've expressed this to a lot of people. This is the time to take action because of companies that are looking for ideas. Everybody's creative. Take advantage of the opportunities that exist today because they didn't exist five years ago. Oh yeah, and with the just you were talking about research, the ability to research and dive into these companies and 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 reach people that you've never been able to reach, whether it's through LinkedIn or anything else, um, it, it's crazy how much we have at our fingertips at this moment. It's a it's a game changer for all of us. So this is the time, and I don't think you have to 
quit your job. I, I think you just need to research. You, you need to find good people to help you and uh, take that chance. Make Get your hands a little sweaty. I think it's great, right? You know you're alive. Absolutely. Well, if this has been... If this has been informative, eye-opening, enlightening to you, my faithful listeners, I want you to do a couple things. I want you to buy uh, either of Stephen's books. I think right now you've got two on Amazon that I see, One Simple Idea and then One Simple Idea for Startups and Entrepreneurs. Uh, Grab them. I mean, go through them. I tell you what, no matter what business you are in, if you understand the principles of licensing, of renting intellectual property, of how IP really kind of works and how simple it, it is, and you realize that now after this after this conversation that you heard us having it i think of licensing as a swiss army tool in the you know in your business tool chest because even if you're in the business of selling products to uh consumers right now you've got an established business you can uh, there are opportunities for you to license your products ideas processes methods etc to other people who need those creating a cash flow for you, or if you want to better serve your own people, create an, you know, get another product to sell without going through R&D, because there's millions of people out there. You can license other people's intellectual property to help your business, whether that's information, physical, it doesn't really matter. You can be the connector, which is much more of what you know draws me to it, of how can I connect ideas. I am highly ADD, and it this it licensing <laughs> fulfills my attention deficit because it allows me to work with all different types of new ideas and hop around from opportunity to opportunity. And, you know, Stephen, you said that you're an you know, opportunist, just like myself, or opportuneur, think about it like that. There's nothing wrong with being a little ADD in this business. Some of the most brilliant people are, and this is a way to capitalize on that. I know that's you know what's been working for myself. But grab the book, go to inventright.com, see what Stephen's got. It may or may not be right for you at the moment, but you need to know that the resources are there when it is. And as long as Stephen and your partner, is it Andrew? You Andrew said, are, are doing this, I mean... There's no reason that you can't capitalize on your idea. There's no reason that you can't take it to the next level. And I want to add real quick. Please do. Because this is, this is really important. You really don't have to have any intellectual property. Most of my ideas and most of my students never had any ownership. And that, that surprises a lot of people. Yeah. Because there's a there's a gray area there. You never really own anything. Now, maybe copyrights, that's a little bit different. That's a great tool, a very affordable tool that you've taken advantage of. But most of these ideas go in and out of the market so fast that companies really don't care if you have a patent or not. Right. And that's the that's the area of that that gray area that allows any of us and you don't wor- you don't have to worry about that that as much as people think you do. Because I don't think you really own anything. But I, I just cannot thank you enough for, for this for this interview because you really brought out the the essence of licensing. Well, good. I'm I'm really glad to hear you say that because I and I, I consider it kind of like a part two to Jordan's podcast and the I, other stuff. Um, and it's it's one of those things that when I listen to it, I mean, I it's like, man, this is great. But the one thing you 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 just drop that little nugget, which says, I think this is kind of the future and the most exciting part is being the guy who connects the dots. But then I was like, oh man, I wanted more. I want to hear more of that because uh, that's the kind of things that excite me. Uh, Stephen, if there's any way that I can help you out, if there's anything you need, the door is 
always open, and I encourage everybody to listen to the show. If you like the show, and if you well, let me say this, if you didn't like this show, then uh, you won't like anything else because this is one of the most <laughs> exciting shows that I've done. And I, I mean, I can't think of a of a more exciting topic, honestly, just for me. Uh, but let me know. Leave a review on iTunes. If you're not sure how to do that, go to baconratbusiness.com forward slash reviews. I even gave you a quick little tutorial. It means the world. Share this with your friends. Tell other people, man, I heard Stephen Key with Brad Costanzo on the show. You've got to go listen to it because the more people that understand this uh, and the more of your friends or colleagues who understand the principles behind this, the more that you can brainstorm with them and the more ideas that can come out of the blue. And there's nothing more fun than brainstorming and masterminding and creating these ideas. So, share the podcast, leave a review. And if you have any questions and you'd like to get a hold of me, email me at askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. Share your success stories, your bacon-wrapped business strategies, your questions. And if you'd like a second opinion on what you're doing in your business right now, I'm happy to see if I can help. Steven, thank you very much for being a guest on the show. I can't tell you how much fun it was for me. And I guarantee for all the other listeners. And uh, till next time, If you have a problem, wrap it in bacon.